Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hi, welcome back to another episode. We're so excited today. We have a guest, um, my supervisor who gives me great supervision um, and another therapist in our community, Julia Israelski. Um, And today we're going to be talking about Love Actually. So um, they've both seen it. I have not until until now. I did watch it for the podcast. You haven't seen this movie? No. Portia. Oh, my God. How? It's like one of the best movies of all time. There's so many people in it. It's like amazing. I know. I know. Oh, Portia. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I 
I feel like I've this podcast has been like a journey for me to <laughs> explore new um exciting genres and classics. <laughs> yeah. So but. all right. So I'm gonna share a little bit about um one of our co-hosts today, Julia, before we get started, so you can know a little bit about her and all the amazing things she, she does. So um Julia Israelski is a licensed clinical social worker, certified EMDR practitioner, and certified perinatal mental health professional with nearly 20 years of clinical experience. She currently has a private practice in Connecticut where she specializes in interpersonal trauma, eating disorders, perinatal mental health, and parental stress. Prior to being in private practice, Julia was a clinical supervisor and oversaw the trauma program at a local community health center. Additionally, she has experience conducting forensic interviews and volunteering as a sexual assault crisis counselor. Most recently, she has been trying to spread her wheel of identity, which she created, which is really cool, to depathologize. Depathologize. And that's a big wow. Yeah, I can't (laughs) seem to get it right. People's attempts at surviving these stressful times and to increase compassion for ourselves and others. So, welcome. Thanks. Excited to be here. Welcome, welcome. So, Love Actually, 2003. It's been, it's a little old, amazing cast. Where Would you we call start? it a rom-com? Yeah. Yeah, right. It was kind of like coming out in the era of rom-coms, I think. We haven't covered a rom-com yet, except maybe Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love this movie. I'm like in shock over here. I'm having an acute stress response to Portia never having seen this movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so good. I know. It was the cast. For, I mean, I know that, you know, we'll we'll get to our themes, but the cast was incredible. Like, yeah. You know, Alan Rickman, R.I.P., Harry Potter, Snape. Snape. Love seeing him, even though he's, like, not a great character. He's good at playing the not great characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like a villain era, I guess. (laughs) And then um, Emma Thompson. Like, she's amazing. amazing. I was shocked to see her. Um, Who else did you guys notice? Or who else? Liam Neeson. Yeah. I always love Liam Neeson. Laura Linney, Colin Firth. um, Just Kira Knightley. Yeah. Um, and the little boy and the little girl were just adorable Sam mm-hmm. and um Olivia, right? Was her name? Um coming up. I don't think it's Olivia. Yeah, oh no, did I, I get the name wrong? It. Oh, her real name's Olivia. Her real name's oh, okay. Olivia Olson. Um gotcha. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it is an all-star cast. Jo- um sorry. Joanna, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, thank you. And then, of course, we have Bill Nighy playing Billy Mac, which we just um, talked about him in, an, in a recent podcast episode about the best exotic Marigold Hotel. He was also in that movie. So it was like That's fun it. for me to see him again in this movie, um, but in like a totally different character. Um, and I just loved him as like the aging pop star. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that connection. So that's good. All right, so who should should we talk about couples? Should we talk about themes? What do we think? What's a good well, place? Well, I think you know, like the whole premise of the movie is love, right? And I love how it the movie begins and ends with those scenes at the Heathrow Airport, which I believe are all real. I don't think any of that's acting. I'm pretty sure that's all real. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but at the and I think it was like 2021, I believe. Um Britain like recreated those scenes to talk about like the pandemic kind of people being able to travel again and see their loved uh-huh. ones and I know right like That's it really cute. gets you 
Um, and it was just interesting to watch all of that love. And it's just, I don't know, like Hugh Grant, we forgot to mention him, um, like his, his, like, in, like the words he says at the beginning are just so beautiful. So and I feel like it's just really timely to be talking about this movie and just the message in light of what's going on in the world right now, I think. That was one of the things um, I wrote down was like that quote in the beginning and like, I um, can't remember what it was right now, but it's something about like going through, most people see like the hard and the pain and the bad, but there's always love and there's always good. And yeah, I think it's super important right now with everything mm -hmm. going on. Right. To keep thinking about. And I mean, I think he says love actually is all around. Um, and it reminds me of that Mr. Rogers quote, like Absolutely. in times of That's stress. Look for the helpers. Right. Exactly. And so I just thought it was really poignant that we're talking about this movie kind of at this time in the month of December as I think about Christmas and the holidays and families. And I think this movie does a good job kind of capturing people at different phases of life, all the complex like interpersonal dynamics and relationships. And so and many different forms of love. Right. Like yeah. Friendship, love, parent, child, love, romantic love, like just so many different forms of love which I thought was great. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which we'll I, all see over the holidays. Whether we want to or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one thing that I had noticed, and I was kind of, you know, texting a little bit with Julia, um, and I don't know, Katrina, if you thought of this as watching it again, but like, I was just line after line, point after point of like a lot of fat phobia. Like, I thought that's why you wanted to cover this Portia. Like, yeah, no, I know. No, I had, I was I, like, no idea. I thought like when we decided on this, that that was like one of the reasons you wanted to talk about it um, again, because like it's a lot directed at Natalie, who like is not. No, like, like I wouldn't even all. say really in a larger body like she's no like and I guess this is all subjective, of course, but it, it is weird um, to think like, oh, she's like the token like fat girl, but she's not. Yes, it was. Yeah. I didn't really remember that at all from having seen the movie in the past. But then this time I was like, oh, wow, it's like all over the place. There's comments. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens like watching it right. Like, for, you know, it's on you're 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 playing with your kids or you're, you know, wrapping gifts or you're doing whatever. Um, and you're not like sitting down and like watching it like through a mental health lens. And after doing that with some things, we're like, oh, like kind of over and over again at all of these like icky icky moments i i think like unfortunately like it's a little bit to the times i don't think that fat phobia yeah. by any means has gone away currently but i think like that's wildly inappropriate to have in a movie now um even if it was mm -hmm. a person in a larger body it's just like it was just constantly happening i i don't know i kept yeah. laughing and be like are you guys did you know this I think I so when this movie came out, I was in high school. So I think I picked it up because like you're a wow. high school girl, you're like body conscious. And that was the time I think of like um, maybe a little after like the Kate Moss era, but not that much after. You know, I think that was the time of like Lindsay Lohan being in the news, mm -hmm. Hillary Duff yeah. and Britney Spears, like a lot of comments on women's bodies. Jessica Simpson, like who's skinnier, who's bigger. And so I feel like it is of the times that someone like Natalie would be called like big or she kept talking about her legs being like tree trunks. And I was like, we don't even see your legs. They're always in skirts. <laughs> like, what is going on? But so I feel like it's like right on the times. But again, like so icky to revisit. Right. 
And then we even see like Billy Mack talking about his manager. He keeps talking about Thaddeus yeah. and like, it's just so weird, right? And then um, I think you even see that with like Emma Thompson's character and then the hot young receptionist yeah. who's like, you know, flirting with her husband. They have different bodies. Obviously, they're different people at different stages of life, different ages. But it was like really interesting in like yeah. a ugh, way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's like definitely within the times, even seeing Kara Knightley, like I just in in, you know, it wasn't about her body per se, but I think like with the comments and then just like noticing her body, I know that, you know, obviously she's a very small person in a smaller body, but also one of the people who are like highlighted at the time, right, for being like maybe too so thin beautiful. or 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 this is the ideal body. So I think it was right. just like an interesting um, like comparison with the two. I mean, I know her obviously from right, like um, pirates, yeah, Caribbean and stuff like that. But um, the cast is mostly English, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think except for like the American ones, and even when like uh, Colin goes to America <laughs> to meet the hot girls, they're all like legit supermodels, right? Um, but they all have similar bodies and everything. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking like Aurelia. Um, the Portuguese woman who Colin Firth's character falls in love with, like when he finally shows back up to propose, remember the dad thinks he's wanting to propose to the other sister who of course has to be big, you know, be in a larger body. So there is like a lot of fat phobia, like leading it to this otherwise like super lovely movie. (laughs) Um, I feel like I also caught some homophobia, like especially with Billy Mack and the manager. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell if he really was like in love with him, like in a romantic way or more like a familial way. And I wasn't really sure. Yeah. The dad. um, Sorry, you go, Julia. No, I was just going to say the relationship with Mm -hmm. the manager. (laughs) To say the least. Yeah. So Daniel, um, to his, you know, stepson, Sam, was initially or not you know initially because it didn't change with him but was like i think really open to the idea if sam was gay right he was like who do you who are you yeah, interested hey, you know, I thought that was a girl point. i thought that so was that great was so great also for 2003 which the, probably great. the movie was made in like 2000 right. so that felt great and then like you know the, uh, a couple scenes later an hour later it was like oh now that we're a little well, bit homophobic but again like yeah. feels kind of appropriate to the time um and maybe like, like Billy Mack in that generation would have been more like that. Yeah. No, I agree. That's true. So I think we should spend a little bit of time right on Sarah. Um, so Sarah is at work, right? And she works with Carl. Um, Carl. And Harry is her boss. Mm-hmm. That's so, like character played by Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. So there's all these connections. So, um, so Harry is like trying to get her to talk to Carl to hang out with him because she's in love with him and the whole office knows. I feel like that was was inappropriate for a boss to intervene, right? That's like, I don't. At first, I thought maybe they were like related. Like, is that his sister or something? And then I was like, oh no, that's just her boss. Yeah, super inappropriate. I thought it was yeah. really like a nice little foreshadowy. I'm, I told Porsche, like, I'm obsessed. When I think of that movie, all I think about is the cell phone ring, like that knocking, <laughs> like, and when he first goes over to her to say something about how she loves Carl, he's like, turn off your phone. Like, that was the first thing he said. And I thought that was just mm-hmm. like, 
So it just speaks to how long this pattern with her brother has been going on and like how intrusive it is in her world. You know, I just thought it was an interesting like yeah. little hint to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah, seems what like her think? brother has schizophrenia. Um, by the way, she's sort of talking to yeah. him when he calls and saying like, well, I don't know if I can talk to the Pope. Let me see. <laughs> I don't know about the aliens. And I just think like, it's got to be incredibly hard to be the only surviving family member for someone with such a serious mental health condition. You know, we see her go visit him in the psychiatric hospital. Almost looks like he's institutionalized, like he lives there. I think she alludes to her parents no longer being around. I just think that's like an immense amount of pressure. Um, and you can tell that she's feels like she can't not answer or, you know, hang up the phone. Or we even see her like, unfortunately, like feeding his delusions by saying like, well, I don't know if I can get a hold of the Pope. Let me see. You know, like she sort of and I think that's caught that happens, yeah. you know, um, but it's it's such a tricky line to walk. I think even mm-hmm. for providers, that's tricky to walk. How do you maintain like the sense of reality without challenging the patient too much where they get upset um, and feel alone? Um, but then it can be risky to sort of uh, go along with, uh, like, kind of like collude with their delusion. So I really felt for her. It was like, Julia, what do you think? When she was like in the, when she had her moment with Carl and then the phone rang and she's like sitting, trying to like stay in the moment, but like not. And then she like gets off the guy and like, it was just so sad. I just felt so bad for her. It's like, you know, that pull of like family versus your future and kind of where are you? like the past and the future pull thing. It was sad. It was a happy moment. What would you that. work on her with in therapy if she was your patient? Boundary. <laughs> how uh, would you do it? Well, I guess I would un- want to understand her history more. Like how did she, where did she learn that she's responsible for all of this? You know, and like, where did she learn her kind of people pleasing, prioritizing everybody else? And then just how does that serve her? How does it not? You know, and, if there are other supports that could be involved with her brother's care that she could utilize more and just trying to help her feel less alone in it and like see that she's a person too because i think that often especially women grow up feeling like they're not seen right like in the world in a lot of places and it's easy to like be easy like to just go along with the flow and just do what people need you to do and i just feel like that's sort of she's filled this role for her brother because no one else is there to do it and she loves it and it's like she doesn't even see that she's a person, too. And I feel like that happens so often with women. So that's what I would kind of want to work with her on. It's like seeing herself as an individual also. And like, who is she? And how can she exist and support her brother without one being more important? What about you guys? How right. can you approach it? That sounds good to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like really just trying to see herself as your needs are also important or like it's it's you're allowed to do both. Um, I think that's really hard for people who are taking care of a um, a, a sick loved one in, in any terms of the word sick is just like, how can you also live your life and have needs and wants fulfilled while also, you know, assisting in a way that is is helpful and beneficial to, to you and the person you're providing support for? Mm-hmm. Um, or Otherwise, it just leads to burnout. And like, I think she, you know, is more than burned out, but... Um, it's like her life kind of doesn't exist. 
Yeah, it's like being his sister is her whole identity. <laughs> yes. You know, like when you try to think about her identity, like that is 95% of it. And in situations like this, I also start to think about what is she getting out of it? Like, is that, is there something where she's feeling important? She's feeling powerful. She's feeling altruistic. She's feeling good. Like, this is how she's feeling good. We don't know what her early relationship was like with her parents or if there was like, some talk about like estate planning or what'll happen to him, you know, like when they're not here. I I talk to a lot of like adult patients who might have a sibling with special needs or some other um, medical or mental health condition as their parents age, like, okay, what's gonna happen? And that's a that's a lot to take yeah. on. And I would I think with her, I mean, I don't know if she would show up to therapy. Right. Like, I don't know if she wants to change. It kind of seems like she doesn't like she had Carl like right there. And he is like beautiful. Right. Like, she, like, whoa, like she's been pining after him for what, two days, seven months, six hours, two minutes or whatever it was. He's he's there. And, you know, like that's just that pull to her brother and that whole situation. So powerful. Uh, I don't know if she'd show up a but I think I'd also work with her in addition to the boundary stuff, for sure, like normalizing all of the negative feelings she might be suppressing related to sort of being expected to fulfill this role and, and just kind of normalizing it. You see it in that moment when she gets, like he leaves when they're in the office and like, um, what's his name, Carl walks out and then she's like, you know, having her moment of like being upset and then the phone rings. She's like, yeah. hi. Like, it's just so. I know. I thought it was also kind of weird the how she would refer to her brother like darling or yeah. it, it was like it seemed almost like romantic and i don't think it i'm not trying to imply it was but it doesn't seem like a way you call like your sibling i don't know there was something about that that to me like spoke to how their relationship is like really enmeshed. bigger yeah really enmeshed that's the word yeah, it like rides the line between almost appearing right, like inappropriately romantic or like um, parent child. That's what I felt. Um, yeah, like you know, darling, yes. sweetie or sweetheart. Um, but I yeah. think she also like, did say babe. Did she say babe a lot? Yes, yes, babe. Yeah, which was like I mean, again, like it felt really like parent child, you know. Um, and then when she's in the institution, hospital, you know, home with him and. I, you know, I thought that she, you know, on the other hand, does a really good job at like de-escalating him, right? So he kind of becomes um, physical. Almost he like kind of takes yeah. her. Uh, um, a person comes out to kind of assist, and she like is able to kind of talk him down and like seemingly to bring him back into the moment, which I'm not surprised because she's probably been doing it for years and knows his everything on how to, how to assist him. But really hard. I also. I also didn't love that the movie is perpetuating this false narrative that people with psychotic disorders are violent towards others, which sometimes that happens. But we know far and away people living with psychotic disorders are far more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators. And again, I think as much as I love this movie as a movie, there's a lot of criticisms I have from mental health, you know, viewpoints. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one for me. Yeah. Do you think like people he, were institutionalized, like as we talked about, you know, in, in other episodes with like, you know, the 
1850s, 1940s. But like, do you think in 2003, someone would be living somewhere long term with schizophrenia? It's like, right, they should be able to kind of manage it on their own with outside supports. I mean, it's a different country. I don't know. But it felt like I think I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I'm not sure what the landscape is like in, in the UK. Um, but yeah, I mean, even now, even after the deinstitutionalization movement, there are still people who are ill enough where they do require like group homes or, you know, things like that. We don't know. It looks a little institutional for like a residential. Like I felt like it was yeah. like trying to be both, but it felt mm-hmm. a little hospitally. Yeah, I was like, is this a forensic hospital? Like, has he been violent or in the past? Like, is that why he's here? Like, we don't really know. Yeah. But there are, you know, I I think the the clearest on on the surface mental health, right? Like, um, coupling of the of the movie. So, I don't know. I mean, does she ever end up with Carl? Like, no. Yeah, I don't think so. I feel moving on. Yeah, yeah. that final, like, lingering glance between the two of them was so sad to me. And, like, as he should, right? Like, if I'm Carl's therapist and you're you're kind of also secretly pining over this woman for years and you finally, you know, make your move, knew something, which is awesome. And then, like, you kind of see that it's just probably not going to go anywhere and this is the case, like, you know, processing with him, how to move forward and, and find someone else who can be more available um currently to him and obviously i hope sarah gets there but it doesn't seem like it's going to be quick yeah i mean that's such a such intense rejection to literally be like half naked in in the bed and she can't stop answering the phone like and you're just sort of finally connecting i mean that's just such intense rejection right like i i think it's healthier for him probably to you know, process that disappointment and and move on. But I think that's a great segue into us also talking about like all the times we see people trying to make romantic love connections in the movie, right? Like there's so many of them. And it just, I think, really highlights like how vulnerable you have to be to put yourself out there and how do each of them cope with, you know, either someone taking them up on it or rejecting them and how that's so dependent on like their individual personality styles. Makes me think of the naked couple. Yes. Um, just in the, how they're like naked and like, you know, um, are they f- like standing sex? For yes. Porno? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a okay. porno. I think it's like a an R movie. I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's porno, but like they're um, I saw someone talking on TikTok about how like they that does happen, but they're not naked. So like if when you are using stand-ins to like do cues and stuff like that, like they might be doing the same um, moves, though, yeah. you know, like on top of each other or kind of like, you know, humping each other, but they wouldn't be nude. And so I thought it was so funny. Right. He's like, oh, he alludes to having a hard time asking people out or like being shy. And yeah. uh, first of all, I'm like, how did you get comfortable in this role but i was oh, wondering no. that too. it just seems so not their personalities to be like it's both so of them. funny it was... i know they're both so quiet and polite he's yeah. like i warm up my hands for you is this okay you know it's so sweet like it's also like kind of a nice i don't know if i think consent is like too far but you know what i mean like it's kind of a nice depiction of like checking yeah. in with your partner <laughs> um 
And it was such a funny juxtaposition that, yes. you know, as he's saying what Portia was just saying, they're like totally naked simulating a sexual encounter, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I just I was finally able to ask you out. Like, it seems like maybe he just needs to be naked from now on in order to ask people out. It's like, you know, I I think emotions, of course, are vulnerable, but it's like also oh, yeah. what's more vulnerable right, than being exactly. unclothed, like your body's on display. I think there's even like a reality show out there now. Have you heard of this reality show? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It has multiple yes. seasons where you have, I forget what it's called, but it's like the whole premise is you start by like looking at each other's genitals or like what? you're dating naked. Yeah. Yes. You're like dating naked before you even start to like get to know each other. And that's the whole like quote unquote premise that like, let's just be as vulnerable as we oh, can. The unveiling is just a shot at the genitals. I heard yes. this. Yes. <laughs> it's on, it's from the UK. So another yes. UK show um that's fascinating and And i i think it has like i think it's in like multiple seasons it's in like season four or six or something so i heard someone else talking about on another rick podcast um so i don't know the facts oh my gosh i have to find i know (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah and they were i i wonder if we heard the same podcast i'm laughing now because i was like they were saying how um you know people are getting like rejected for like all you know just obviously like face value genitals and they were talking the one i heard was about like uh you know the 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 person searching for love as a female so there's um she's heterosexual so there's all these man uh, men that she's looking at in their penises and you know like one's too small but one's too big and like she's just but then they say like you're they're not what they were kind of critiquing the show for is that they're saying like they're not being like honest with like no you're penis is too small or your penis is too big they're like oh yeah i just didn't really get a good vibe and it's like no you only yeah. saw his penis so like because so like say what you're gonna say about i don't know anyway I just, another uk show that is <laughs> isn't that wild it's so wild to me like that a like someone had the idea for this show and someone like a lot of people like ran with it 
And that like people are consuming it so much that they've had multiple seasons. And then like, Portia, I think your point's totally valid. But then I'm thinking about this woman, like, what are you supposed to say? I know. (laughs) And the podcast I was listening to was like a woman commenting on an episode where a man who is heterosexual is looking at a bunch of vaginas. And the woman was like, I had no idea. They look so different. So it's just in a way, I feel like that part is kind of normalizing and helpful because I think that that's something a lot of like, I don't know, I had clients talk about that and like feeling self-conscious about that aspect of their body. So like, I feel like there could be some normalization that happens, but sure. Right. I don't don't know how you also just like, what is it on? Like, is this on HBO? I was like, I think it's on some kind of streaming, sir. It it can be like just on like basic cable. Right. I hope in the news. Especially I would think in like Britain where they're a little more buttoned up, you know, stereotypically than Americans. Maybe not. not (laughs) I don't think that would fly. (laughs) Maybe we're like shattering stereotypes, you know? Yeah. Maybe. But anyway, again, facts to love, actually. So let's talk about Karen and Harry. Um, <sighs> that scene where she's so excited to open her present. I know. And it's the CD, which, like, if she hadn't seen the necklace, maybe what it would have been we- really thoughtful. Right. But she did see it. And, like, just when she goes away and cries and then has to come back and, like, rally the kids and be excited to protect them. Like broke for her in that moment. Every time I see that, I cry. Like, yeah. every time I just think, like, and I just think that it's such a great depiction of, like, what it's like to be a mom. I was going to say And try to, like, yeah. yeah, like, have your own experiences, moment. but then be putting your kids first. So powerful. It really is just, uh yeah, I she, cried. Yeah, me too. Like, she really, like, she captures it, it so raw. Like, it's so raw and real, and you just feel it. Yeah, I saw yeah. a video that was saying, or she was interviewed, um, Emma Thompson was, about, like, that scene and why it's so powerful. And I guess that at the time, um, she had found out that her current partner was having an affair. Um oh. Oh, With the woman who plays Bellatrix in Harry Potter. Um, I forget her name. Elena Bonham Carter? Yes. Yes. And Emma Thompson is also in Harry Potter. She plays Professor Trelawney. So I just thought that was interesting. And now they're like friends, but they went on to have like a five-year relationship, um, Helen and her ex. So she says that it was like so real, real. uh, which is why I think you can watch the movie, you know, multiple times and still feel it. Yeah, feel it. It's so real. It's so raw. And I think like what just what beautiful art, right? Like you just said, Borsha, to watch it multiple times and still feel it. Because like whether we all face betrayal in our lives in one flavor or another, like even if it's not like that flavor, like you just get it and you just feel it with her. And like just seeing her like cry to Joni Mitchell, the CD he just gave her and then like Dab your tears. Let's go with the Christmas lobsters. It's just and I feel like even if you don't have kids, like that feeling of like you have to button it up and like go back out into the world. Like I feel like is something that everybody kind of oh yeah experience. Even like going to work after getting bad news, you know. It's just I think one of the hardest things we as humans have to do, and like which is feels to me very Western culture. Like up you you got to go to work though. 
Like, you know, we have right. to kind of shelve our humanity and kind of get back on the wheel. Um, and I, I think, think also, you know, mm-hmm. as like mental health professionals, I think it's, you know, having something tragic happen in your life and then, you know, kind of trying to figure out how to when to come back to work or how you can show for your patients or what patients are going to be triggering because maybe a similar thing just happened to you. Like, I think I'm not going to say it's especially hard because I don't want to quantify it. But like, I think it's just it's it's very difficult to do, which I think we ask oh, too yeah. much of people um, yes. to do that. I totally agree. And I'm not sure, like, again, in our culture, which like if you're working for a corporation and, and your mother dies, maybe you get 48 hours leave and <laughs> to like go to the funeral and come back, right? Like there's not a lot of room for grief in our culture. Um, And I'm just thinking now of like in the British culture, like I'll never forget seeing like William and Harry, like, you know, playing to the crowds at their mom's funeral when they were kids, right? I just think it's like, we're not good at grief, like in general and and these these cultures we're talking about. But yeah, I think especially as, as therapists, Um, or mental health professionals like you do want to show up for your patients and like at least I feel like you know responsibility to be there for them and be consistent as much as you can and like you have to keep your own humanity in mind and like knowing where to draw that line is really hard and I think comes with time and experience um and from modeling right like you have to have good supervisors or teachers who also model that and keep sending the message like it's okay and healthy to have your own boundaries and to have you know recognize your own humanity Mm -hmm. like little the little kid sam did a good job when he was like i know i'm supposed to be thinking about mom but i'm thinking about i'm in love you know that's real like i think people feel so guilty feeling anything other than grief you know and it's captures like there's a lot of feelings at once and that's okay Yes. Did you, Julia, watch the uh, show Shrinking by any chance? Yeah. Oh, we love that, that show. But also, like, that, um, there was a scene there with the daughter yeah. who, she had that moment where she was, like, looking at a picture and noticed how happy she looked, and then she felt instantly guilty. guilty. Like, how can yeah. I be happy when my mom died? Like, it's, like, forgetting them. That's so common and complicated. Absolutely. And you're you're right. I think this was another scene that really nailed it on the head. Yeah. Their relationship was beautiful, I thought. Like, Sam and, you know, his stepdad, like, yeah. he, you know, his mom had East, and, I, you know, I, we don't know about... Do we know about Dad? I don't think so. Um, or at least I didn't catch it. Yeah, but I didn't catch anything on it. He just, like, really shows just, up for him as, like, yeah. I don't know, just, like, in a beautiful way that I feel like you, we couldn't, like, we couldn't even like try to make it better like as you know as a therapist oh well he could have done this it's like he just hits it in every way like giving him space like letting him draw um respecting his signs yeah and that like really fostering no it's okay to be you know excited about something too or yeah like let's focus on your love like it was just so beautiful as like a step it really was it really was and i love how he like validates like you put it in the notes like something about how awful love is or the most painful total agony of falling yeah, in total love agony of falling in love right like like Liam Neeson's character I think his name's Daniel you know they're sitting on that bench and he's like something's wrong with Sam he won't come out of his room his mother just died like we don't know how long he's been in the picture like if it's a right. short time if it's if he's like raised and we don't really know I think it's clear he's adopted him but you can tell he's like not sure what to do and of course he feels that way and then they're on the bench you can tell he's like oh my god 
what is going on? Like, are you doing drugs? Like, what's going on? And then he says, I'm in love. And he's so relieved. <laughs> but then the little boy is like, how can you be relieved? This is so agonizing. And it was just so beautiful and funny. And then he was so valid. Like, he's like, yes, you're right. Yep. Like, like <laughs> heard him. Adjusted. It was really sweet. Which yeah. is and so like great. young love is just beautiful and an important way that we learn, right? Like about feelings and heartbreak and how to tolerate when someone doesn't like you back. And yeah. like, it's just, I don't know, like it's, it's so important for us to learn. But then I think I would imagine also just wanting to protect your kids from like, right. Those, those and really hard feelings. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, how beautiful that he encouraged him to, like, go for it, even though Joanna was leaving. You know, he wasn't like, oh, what's the point? She's leaving. He was like, no, like, and I, I have to imagine that was influenced by his own grief. Having I was about to say, like, as you said that, I thought about the grief parallel. You know, that he's like, you know, no, you still love, even if you're going to lose. Yeah, what a, like, beautiful message to send a little boy who's somewhere in there grieving himself. Yeah. And then Emma, or um, Karen, when she, the, after the play, um, when she says, you know, like, what would you do? Or, and then she kind of says, when you find, like, the necklace. And um, I was says, so oh, happy I'm that she brought it up that way. Yes. And, like, quickly, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a kind of an impossible situation of knowing what to do. But it seemed like it was best for her to kind of just bring it up. And then he was obviously taken aback. And then, you know, I'm such a fool. And she's like, no, but you made a fool out of me. Yeah. And I was like, yes, like that's right. That's like the ultimate betrayal or that's that's I think just quantifies her her emotions of feeling foolish. Right. Like I trusted you. You made our you you made little of our relationship and, you know, et cetera. Like but, that sense of humiliation, like after that kind of. And deal. yes. And the fact that he was looking at the necklace with Mr. Bean wrapping it up. So, you know, in such a funny, dramatic way. Well, she was off Christmas shopping, probably for their kids or probably his mom or something. <laughs> and he's doing that. That enraged me. And you have to know that, like, as she gets the CD and she's putting it all together, she probably realized what was going on. And like, oh, so cruel. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, you don't. It's like bad enough to be like having an affair or an emotional affair, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how if it got physical with this secretary or not. But you have to do it when she's there with you. Like, go to the store and later kids, by yourself. Your yeah. It's, like, so gross. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. Mia, I think that's her name, Mia. Yeah. Um, I think so. Like, she, I mean, she was, she was very um, overt with her advances, right? Oh. Like, sitting in the chair, <laughs> like, opening, opening her leg. I was like, yeah. okay, that's definitely a visual. And then I thought, which was really bold um, for both Harry and Mia, was at the Christmas party, right? Karen is there. And she's, like, asking him to dance. And, like, what? Yeah. I was just like, wow. Like, and Karen seemed to just be, like, but you know kind of trusting the relationship um you know whatever like she makes a comment of something like um not be careful but something like that and but she she it seems like then she really trusts harry like you know this is mia right. like mia is you know making advances and it's inappropriate sure but like she trusts harry and then the fact right to then find out that that's not the case i think was obviously just like heartbreaking <sighs> but and again like so humiliating to do that in front of everyone in a christmas party. like it's just so cruel it's so yeah. cruel so i'm dying to know what you guys would do if these people if the couple came to you 
for couples therapy or if each individually came to you? Like, how would you help them navigate it? Because at the end, we see Harry comes back from traveling somewhere. They're greeting him at the airport. And she's, you know, um, Karen isn't like super warm and kissy kissy to say hello to him, but she's there picking him up. So it's not clear to me, like, are they staying together? Are they working on it? Are they going to separate? Like, what's the what's how's it all going to unfold? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think couples I would imagine I don't work frequently or ever really with couples, but like it would be just seeing like what are their um, like what are their goals do they have a goal? Mm-hmm. Like, can they even think, are they even in a place to say, we'd like to try to get past this? Or are you, are you getting to a goal? Um, and you're just kind of processing what happened. Um, I feel like I've worked separately with both parties. Um, mm. you know, someone who has, um, been unfaithful in a relationship and someone who has been, you know, the, the Karen. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really interesting, I think, to work with both just because I, I don't know. Like, I think it just helps you understand why it happens. Um, And it's not really like to excuse the behavior. Ultimately, it's a betrayal of trust and it's lying. But um, I think it's really just about getting people to see if there can be a repair or like where they want to go next and if they can get through it. Or like, what does it mean? Does it mean that the relationship's over or does it mean that something's going on that can be fixed? Mm -hmm. I don't do couples either, but I feel like I would start with like, what do you think you want? Like, what are we working towards, you know? And But I don't know about mm-hmm. do couples, so maybe you wouldn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> In situations like this, like, you want to say it's so clear, like, you should leave him. Like, that's awful. But it's rarely that clear or that <laughs> easy, especially when you have kids involved. You know, like, you could be so mad at him, but still want the kids to love their dad. And I think Karen would be the kind of mom where she would walk that line, right? Like we saw it, the way she sort of pulled herself together and got those lobsters to the school, you know, Um, that she's not going to like badmouth him in front of the kids, nor should she. But it's just not that simple to be like, oh, I'm just going to leave. And sometimes people have feel a lot of shame when they don't want to leave and when they want to stay. And how do you work through it? It's just so tricky. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And I think it's also important, right, to like keep your own judgments, which which we do, but to ourselves, you know, like, how could you do that? You know, yeah, we, right. you know not saying that or or right. why don't you just leave him? You know, not going to say yeah. that. It's like having that place of of not being a friend, right, or like a family member, but like a therapist right. who's really just exploring feelings. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. It's um, so hard. Yeah, I think especially but- with leaving like like sometimes I always have to keep in mind, like even if you're not saying it verbally, sometimes your facial expressions or reactions can right. like, like uh, rat you out. Right. And like you want to just stay neutral because you don't know which way they're going and you want your patient to feel like comfortable and that they can be totally open. And sometimes they're really pulling for you. They really want to know what you think. It's like almost like they want to relinquish their responsibility on you and they want you to make the decision for them. And it, it gets tricky. That's why I think couples therapy is so hard. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. hard. <laughs> we have to find someone, a good one. Oh, well, like, I guess a good one, but someone to have on here. I have a lot of questions for them. Yeah. yeah. We should do like a movie, I guess. But all right. Who well, else do we want to cover as we wrap up? Anyone else wrap we want to hit on? I think definitely Natalie and the prime minister. Mm. And the harassment yeah. from the U.S. president. 
Oh, yeah. Billy Bathroom was so... Yeah. Like, he yeah. just has everything about him just made my skin crawl. Just <laughs> perfect, though. Oh, like, it was so I perfect. And I was like, I feel like this is how people see Americans. It's just, like, takers. Yeah. Like, in a lot of ways, like, I feel like he's not, yeah. you know, doing us any favors here. Mm-hmm. So, so Hugh Grant, or what's his name? Um, his character? Prime Minister. Prime, yeah, yeah, I think it's just Prime PM. Minister. Um, so he, like, right sees past Natalie's large body and, like, Allegedly. wants to be with her. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it's, like, sweet. He obviously is very, like, work-oriented, and he kind of, like, notices she's really nice, and he's, you know, kind of, like, doesn't realize that he's into her, I think, until he sees her being, you know, sexually harassed or assaulted by um, the U.S. president. And then he kind of intervenes and has that big moment where he... Stands up to him, and it seems like all the staff and and the UK are all like really pleased. Um, so I don't know. What did you guys think of his chase of going out to her neighborhood? I thought it was uh, kind of inky that he fired her at some point, and then like found out where she lived and swooped her off her feet like again it's like okay on the one hand it's like oh um, he really loves her so much that he's knocking on every door trying to find her it's humorous but like it it kind of was icky and maybe some red flags um again i didn't get the sense that his character is like a true malignant narcissist but it could go that way (laughs) you know like i don't know a little bit of love bombing maybe out of nowhere he's in a position of power over her um they're hot and heavy really quick um i think i'm over analyzing it you know but there were some things we do here right (laughs) (laughs) they reminded me of the um the other couple right so kara knightley and her recent husband and um Mm -hmm. that's an interesting mark so i was you know i think everyone probably assumes that he's going to be into um Kayla's husband Peter yeah and when he's not I I was like whoa kind of shocked um but I just like thought it was icky yes like I feel like this movie there's a lot of relationships where it's like is it sweet or creepy like I feel like uh... it's not sort of not love love is not creepy (laughs) but like the like the challenge of love, right? Like there is yeah. what feels really romantic to one person can feel really invasive to another. And like that balance of like, what is appropriate? What's not? Like, how does this land on this person versus what is their intention? And, you know, I think it's, it does a good job of kind of depicting the complexity of that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely I think yeah, sorry, it's Especially, I think, the scene when he has the cue cards, which is, like, such a famous scene now, so iconic. And, like, I remember watching it in high school being like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. It's so creative. You know, this was, like, back in the day when, like, when you'd ask someone to go to prom, it was, like, this big thing, you know. But now as an adult, when I'm rewatching it, I'm just like, oh. Like, I'm trying to imagine being Keira Knightley's character, like, watching the wedding video yeah. and it dawning on you that it's all you. And you're just like, oh. How close have you been admiring me? Like, you mm-hmm. could see yeah. her face go from, like, a really, like, genuine smile to, like, a, like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, and it's like, are you going to now, like, capture me in your basement, or can I get out of this house? I was confused yeah. by her running after him, though. Me too! 
Like I didn't get that. And they never really explained it. And I didn't really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Me like too. was it a, a like a goodbye acknowledgement? Like, uh, you know, almost of like, like, did it um, kind of put a period at the end of like, oh, that was sweet. And like, I don't know, it's, I think a little inappropriate, but. Like, did it end there or are or, or now they going to go off and kind of have this like secret affair together? Like, it just didn't make sense with the context because she had always thought that he didn't like her. But now mm-hmm. she's like interested or in love. Like, like, it was just kind of confusing. Yeah. I didn't know the, what it meant. Yeah, that's actually like such a great example of reaction formation where like, you know, you behave opposite, I think, than like how you're really feeling. Yeah. Like that's the guy's doing that, right? Like he really loves her. So he's like so rude and cold to her. And she's like, well, he really doesn't like me. Um, I know I didn't understand. And like she just got married and like she could have just hooked him. Right. Like the fact that it was a kiss and like the way she ran at it just left me like, are they going to go back to this? But it's funny when you say how when you were in high school, because I remember that scene in my mind. I always thought it was so sweet. Like it was like this right. iconic love moment. And then this time yeah. when I watched it, I was like, huh. yes, like, right? I know that your best friends. I know, like on Christmas Eve or something. Like, And I know I feel so bad for Peter that he has no idea all this is going on. It puts like Peter and Julia in such a weird spot. But especially Julia, like it seems like really it almost seems like punishment for her it's like and i don't think he means it that way but now she knows this about him what is what she, she supposed do to do with it like yeah. right but then she goes and kisses him so i'm really confused <laughs> yes. i yeah. would love them to do like a sequel now and just see like use all the same actors and actresses except alan rickman rip um and just see like where they end up you People know. would watch. That's our. I know. That's our. Yeah. Um, you know, free movie advice of the of this episode. Yeah. Is they can make a part two and, a sequel. Yeah, and hopefully it's less fat phobic, and we'll take it from there, <laughs> or we'll see. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, um, as we wrap up, we want to just thank everyone so much for joining us today in this month of December. Um, we hope you are going to have a good holiday season. Um, if you celebrate the holidays, and we do give a little bit of tips throughout um, these episodes of just like having boundaries with family and friends, and um, kind of have it how to navigate some difficult, um, I don't know, potential situations with yes. gatherings and sometimes alcohol and. And all the things that can happen with that. But yeah, I mean, holidays are notoriously stressful for everyone, whether you struggle with your mental health or not. They just are. Um, So, yeah, keep tuning in to hear more about our take. We're so grateful you joined us today, Julia. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. And we will catch you next Monday with a new episode. And you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You can watch our videos now at Analyze Scripts Podcast. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. 
As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.